Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Image Doctors Photography Podcast. I'm Jason O'Dell. And I'm Rick Walker. And once again, we're here to talk about fun stuff in the world of photography, technology, and whatever else we can brainstorm for this week. So how you doing, Rick? I'm doing fine. How about you? Uh, not too bad. Just, um, you know, getting ready to go to California this weekend. By the time you hear this, I'll probably be in San Diego. I've got a big group of clients to do bird photography and you've been with me down there before yeah i was there last year fabulous place it's it's really great for for that um a very reliable location but also a location that provides shots that are just different than your typical bird in hanging floating in space in the sky <laughs> it's much cooler in my opinion to get shots where you've got the waves crashing on rocks below the below the birds in the ba- as a background it's pretty cool pretty spot so too i'm i'm looking forward to that i'm looking forward to testing some of the uh not really testing but using some of the gear um that i've collected over the last year with um the uh, om system camera and lenses to try it down there because i think it's going to be real really nice um, for hand holding <laughs> that kind of thing anyway uh today we've got a special guest and um, i'm going to let you introduce our guest but he's one of our regular listeners since going back way back um, in time and is also a supporter of ours on our image doctors um, uh, patreon page image doctors photo.com and so we we really appreciate that but that's not really the reason why we're bringing bringing him on so i'm going to turn it over to you rick and tell our listeners about who we're gonna who we're gonna have join us today sure no we're happy to have dennis mook join us and and dennis and i have known each other for I think about 15 years or so now we, we kind of met in a funny set of circumstances, but ended up going out for dinner in his neck of the woods in Virginia and had a great time. And, and we've maintained communication since then. And um, so one, welcome to Dennis. Hi, Dennis. Hi, Rick. Jason. And Dennis and I have had discussions, you know, through, emails and stuff like that for a while just on things like um, system preferences and evolving technology and how has that changed you know what we value um, what we see as the benefits of them and all three of us are getting older every day you know don't remind me that's a good thing though you know right but we are and i know at least in my case i think more about the size and weight of cameras and lenses that I'm taking with me just so I don't end up with a, you know, a miserable situation at some point with too much junk. And I know Dennis has put a lot of thought in, into you know, the same kind of problem and um, has, I think, some very good ideas on what works for him. And so we wanted to just get into that discussion. And, and Jason and I, I've had that discussion many times too. Mm-hmm. So view, the, view this as kind of a collaborative thing, but we're going to let Dennis um, do most of the talking on it. And I think we'll go f- from there. So Dennis, could you just tell us a little bit about your photographic background and that, and the journey through it, where it's led you to? Sure, Rick. Uh, thank uh, you and, and Jason both for inviting me. It's a real pleasure. Uh, thrilled to be here. As, as you said, I've been following you guys since you guys were teenagers, I think. <laughs> You, uh, the, the Image Doctors podcast has always been known for a couple of thoughtful, mature gentlemen who put out useful information 
and don't uh, don't overhype uh, anything or don't underhype anything. And uh, that's one of the reasons that I always enjoyed your your podcast. I got good information that was useful to me in the field, and uh, I think uh, I think you, what you guys have brought to the podcast world has been valuable to thousands out there. So thank you for the, all those years and the hard work. The checks in the mail, Dennis. <laughs> I was going to say, who is he talking about? <laughs> I'd like to meet them. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I uh, I'm getting a little bit older now, and but I started my journey in photography in 19 spring of 1971. My cousin came back from Vietnam and um, gave me a Minolta Hymatic Seven. I was a sophomore in college in 1971. And I took the first roll of film and I absolutely fell head over heels in love with photography. And I feel the same way today. I've never lost that passion. And uh, I took a, took a roll of film and I saw the prints and I realized that cameras could be more and photography be, could be more than just vacations and birthday parties and things. And as we all probably have, we've gotten cameras for our 12th birthday or 10th birthday and stuff like that as I did. But this was an eye-opening event to me. And back when I was in uh, college, the thing to have was a really nice stereo outfit. You saved all your money to have that music. Well, I sold my stereo to buy a Minolta SRT 101. With a good good for you. <laughs> I sold it. And I never looked back from there. I still have the camera. And um, I started on the journey. Back then, there was no internet. You, uh, you subscribe to Modern Photography and Popular Photography, a couple of other magazines. You went to the library to look for their small section on photography and read. You looked at books. You looked at other people's photography to try to figure out what was a good photograph, how it worked, how apertures work. And then I discovered the, uh, the zone system. And that cost me a lot of money because I ended up <laughs> building an eight by 12 darkroom in my garage and started, you know, uh, developing one sheet of film at a time and, and, and learning, but it taught me black and white. It taught me exposure. It taught me um, uh, contrast and, and how to make a good print. Uh, after I'd gotten out of college, I came to Virginia supposedly for six weeks and now 50 years later, I'm still here, but I accidentally joined a local police department accidentally because my degree was in a science my college degree and my career path was the rocky mountains and you know, where you guys live and and once the administration learned that i had a degree in a science and i knew photography i became a forensic detective quite quickly and ended up spending eight years in forensics as a detective uh and Thankfully, they had a wonderful dark room. It was all black and white back then. I was put in charge of the dark room. Uh, I got to shoot all my film for free, develop it all for free. And when we transitioned uh, into color, I was the one that was to learn the densitometry and, and the color chemistry and all that. But the idea to be able to take something you were so passionate about and have your employer I encourage you to go out and photograph as much as you can. Uh, I worked over a hundred death investigations and my supervisor always said, practice as much as you can because don't come back from a homicide scene or a fatality 
or something like that and have no film and camera or messed up your pictures. Don't do it. You won't be able to do it again. So I, I got to be very sure of myself on winding that old Pentax Spotmatic, that Honeywell Pentax Spotmatic we used with a single 50 millimeter F1.4 lens. And of course, back then everything was manual. There was no automation at all. Did uh, your friends ever ask you why you wanted to draw chalk outlines around them when you were doing I portraits? Actually, I never actually did. That. Well, to me, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those people, I'm curious about everything. There, mm -hmm. I, I'm always searching and trying to learn whether it's particle physics or cosmology or photography, or I just, we built, my wife and I built a house a few years ago to learn the process before we got into that. I just dive right into things and I, I take it on head on and want to learn it. I've never stopped that lifelong learning process. So when I, I've never been in a police car before in my life. I grew up in a small town and um, I went on a couple of ride alongs with some officers that I met become friends. And I saw things that I had never seen, a world that most people don't see and uh, experience some things that most people never experience. And it was absolutely fascinating. And then take that part and then add the photography and the science and the crime scene work and the evidence and the fingerprint expertise, and all that stuff to it. And I was, it was one of the best times of my life. Well, the photography, as I got promoted uh, out of forensic as detective, um, the photography always stayed with me. I always kept a camera in the car. So I always had a camera in my police vehicle, whether it was marked or unmarked. And I started doing part-time work as police officers are not normally paid well. Uh, it was all photography. There was no security work. And so I was doing some commercial work. I was doing some wedding work. I was doing stock photography, all those kind of things to supplement my wife's and my income. And, and I just kept learning and I kept using my darkroom at home. I became friends with other photographers. We'd go off a lot of weekends and photograph. And back then I did not mind carrying around a case with a four by five camera and two or three lenses or carrying around a big Nikon or a big Canon. I had Canon F1s for a while as well, but, uh, and, and five or six or seven or eight lenses <clears throat> because it was all about getting the picture, whatever, whatever it took to get the picture to go where I had to go. Uh, I also quickly got into, got out of four by five and got into the medium format. And because I was never satisfied, I'm kind of a perfectionist in many ways. And I was never satisfied with the quality prints I got from uh, 35 millimeters. So I jumped into medium format. So I always had a couple of different formats. To this day, I still do. But, um, but the, the, the learning curve and the learning, learning to develop and learning to uh, see and learn what a good photograph is. And, and then the, with the advance in equipment. And it, I, I carried a couple of Pentax 6x7s and four or five lenses and a big aluminum tripod around the country for 25 years. It didn't matter. Well, today I'm a little older. I don't want to carry that yeah. kind of big equipment. So I was going to ask you, Dennis, <laughs> we, we invited you on the show because you sent us a, you know, we asked you um, about some stuff because you, you're sort of coming to us today um, we being your your image doctors, of course, you know, happy to help. Uh, but you, you're sort of coming out to us a little bit with almost like an existential photography crisis, um, right? I mean, th th that's why you're you're you know, because we we could talk about homicide photography and and six sure. by seven stuff, and you know, you 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 are very much uh, a, along the lines of the people who did photography in that period, where if you wanted 
better quality, it really meant needing to go up from 35 millimeter to 645, or in your case, even 6 by 7 to get those wonderful large negatives so that your large prints and whatever would just be magnificent, right? That was what we learned. That's our entire culture. Bigger is better in every sense of the word, whether it's with automobiles or houses, uh, McMansions, as they're called, to everything, to cameras. Uh, if you have a small camera, you may be looked on as inferior, not knowing what you're doing. But right. in fact, your small camera may be more sophisticated uh, due to the technology. They have more features than some of the, uh, the big cameras, some of the sports and uh, travel photographers carry. So you right. talked about moving actually up in size into large format, medium format. Mm -hmm. I know that today you're using a mix of things that include some smaller things. When, when did the curve start bending on you? What kind of realizations did you go through that started to change your thinking about the equipment that you were using? I had an epiphany around 2012 and I saw the micro four thirds system, the Olympus, EM5 was the first Olympus, I believe, that I saw. I was aware of their four-thirds system, and I had looked at one. A couple of people I knew had them, and I said, and I even thought, well, you know, this sensor is awfully small. You know, it can't possibly do a good job. But, but I went ahead and, and took a leap and bought an EM5 and a couple of lenses, and I was just astounded at the small size, the lightweight, the the uh, less expense that I had to incur and come out with absolutely wonderful photographs that I thought were every bit as good in almost all cases, not all cases, as I was having with my, my, my full format Nikons at the time. And uh, I think there's a lot of pressure in society, as I've talked to people about this and write on my blog over the years, that... Uh, just because it's bigger doesn't mean it's better. And you really need to choose a tool that suits you, your purposes, and find a camera that you want to pick up and go out with. And I've found almost all the time I wanted to pick up my Olympus and go out, whether whichever Olympus I happened to know at the time. And I found that it was only in extreme cases that when I had extremely low light, or uh, I needed to use extremely high ISO, uh, that, that my pictures with the, with the micro four thirds equaled what I was doing with the full format because 98% of the time it was just daylight, uh, good light, landscape, you know, outdoors. And it really didn't matter what size the format was at the time that uh, the pictures looked good. They, they, I had reached the level of sufficiency. So I got deep into uh, micro four thirds and have stayed in it all these years. And what I found was that I was getting a greater satisfaction for travel by using that than by lugging around a lot more equipment. Now I have to say, I'm fortunate. I don't have any aches and pains. I sleep all night long and I'm one of the fortunate ones at my age. I mean, I'm a septuagenarian. So uh, when that seven goes before your name, it changes your outlook of life, believe me. Uh, but um, I find that I am happier uh, with a camera that I want to pick up and take out rather than fall to conventional wisdom that says I have to take a bigger, heavier, more expensive camera 
with bigger f2.8 professional lenses because in the end, my photography is not improved by spending the extra money, carrying the extra weight, being more miserable, having the camera and kit get in the way to the point where I'm traveling, I leave it in the car and don't even take it with me at times. So, uh, so yeah, I, I've seen I that found... with cell phones, you know, people just oh, yeah. use their phone, right? Cause it's easier to put in your pocket. Yeah. But, but the user experience of a phone cannot oh, match yeah. Camera, so no that's... and and you know one thing we all are if you're into photography at any point at least you know if you came up doing photography in the last 30 years is that you can't help but be a little bit of a gearhead you know there's there's elements of stuff where it's just cool and, and let's be honest it's... guys are worse about this we are <laughs> in you, general. you know i was just for a data point dennis i just was looking up something the nikon d800 which was the first truly affordable high resolution camera it was announced in february of 2012 mm -hmm. prior to that unless you had a seven thousand dollar d3x or almost eight thousand dollars whatever it cost right yep. you were shooting full frame but you were shooting as nikon shooters we were shooting 12 to 14 megapixels mm -hmm. in that time 12 to 16 almost everything was 12 megapixels so it is interesting you know that where we go so you go back 10 years that's where we first started getting into these high resolution and yeah. you know and, and and we've got along uh with things so you know you you really value the process the thought the making a photo rather than taking a photo there's no question in my mind that that's that's um that's happened um so do you find yourself having sort of a uh conflicting thoughts between going well should i get this micro four thirds camera which is really small sensor am i missing something do you feel like you're missing out because i think that's the fear that we have you fear that if i don't walk around with this big camera it's not as good it's not the best. Do, do you, what do you, how, how do, do you feel that way sometimes? Have you, or have you felt that way? Has that been part of your equation? Uh, Frank, you know, frankly, no. And the reason is I extensively test my equipment. I actually read the, uh, P, I download the PDFs and read the, uh, the user's manuals on my camera because I want to understand my camera and all its features as much as I possibly can, what its capabilities are, what its foibles are, what it can do and what it can't do. And it, when I first bought the EM5 and I started running tests and I found out what the camera can do, and back then Olympus's uh, IBIS in-body image stabilization was much better than others. And, you know, a slower shutter speed can also equal a, a lower ISO, which improves image quality. But because I, I test it all, when I grab my OM-1 and my lenses and I go out, I know exactly how it's going to perform. I know where to find the features, what the features are, what the features can do and what they can't do. So I don't feel like I'm missing anything at all. The only, the only thing that, to be honest, that sometimes I miss is I like that. I like megapixels. It's just one of those things where I enjoy 40 or 45 megapixels. I have an X-T5 and I have a Z7 II, Nikon Z7 II. 
And it's not that I need them. I know in my head, logically, I do not need 45 meg pickles for anything. In fact, I had custom prints made of identical photographs from a EM1, Mark One, 16 megapixel, and the D800E, the one without the anti-aliasing. And I sent them off to a custom lab and I showed them to a number of photographers and no one could tell the difference at 20 by 30 inches. Not a single photographer could. The only way I could tell is the, the file number was written on the back of the prints. So I knew from then that I could, I'll never make anything bigger than 20 by 30. So I'm not lacking anything. I don't need those pictures. But it's like having a spare tire. Sometimes you just want to know it's there if you ever need it. So how about this is an analogy? Um, realistically, you only need a car that goes so fast or accelerates so quickly. Right. Sometimes it's tremendously fun to have the car with the ridiculous V8 in it with more than 400 horsepower just to experience that. But do you yeah. really need that? And, and yeah. the other thing is, do you really want that necessarily on a daily basis? You know, it's, so I, I don't think it's a bad analogy. It's I think it's, it's absolutely valid to, yeah, to like all those things. And, you know, when you start talking about need, well, need is relative. I don't need that, but I like that. I, I like that a whole lot. I love zooming in on my, on my photos. And it takes a little getting used to when you look at a 20 megapixel uh, Olympus file, OM file, and you zoom in and it's like, wait, that's it? It doesn't go further than that, you know. Like, wait, <laughs> but like you said, you blow that thing up to twenty by thirty in Photoshop, and and if you were to make a, it, it's it looks wonderful. So need need versus it's okay to want things, it's okay to like things, but I think your point is, is a good one that at some point, um, do, does this inhibit you? Can it be? and a limitation we'll get to some other things too but like you know you like carrying around you know there's nothing wrong with uh, a, a wonderful you know 35 millimeter format camera and some 2.8 glass it's good stuff it's really great um but does you know what got you thinking about maybe maybe that's more than what i need or you know like as you said you said you you are now gravitating toward your four thirds camera more often than not. And some of that's features, but I think there's another component is just size and weight. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, there was a, there was a um, effort to try to sell micro four thirds on small, especially small cameras. Well, it got to the point where they were too small. People said, I can't put my fingers, I can't mm -hmm. grip them. Too small. I think they found the right size now with the, the OM1 size camera, which is, Really, and people don't realize this, the OM1's the same size, almost identical uh, uh, to the uh, Nikon Z7, Z7 II, Z6, same size cameras. Um, but, you know, it's... it's Just I the lenses that are smaller. Yeah. Equivalent I chased lenses. The best yeah. Cameras. I chased the best lenses uh, for years and years, decades, and they were big and they were heavy and they were expensive. And then I got to the point where... You know, have, do I really need them? And I took the chance. And I think this is where there's so much cultural pressure on bigger is better, especially in the photographic culture, where social media influencers downplay 
how good micro four thirds and APS-C cameras really are today. And if you were happy seven or eight years ago with your full frame camera, you'll be just as happy with a micro four thirds camera today because the quality is about equal, if not better than full frame cameras of the past. And I don't think people understand that or know that. And they may not be willing to go against what is maybe called conventional wisdom or go against the grain and say, and you know, try one, rent one, buy one, buy a used one, see if you like it. And I, 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 I can honestly say everybody that I know that ended up buying one ended up loving it. I don't think anybody that I know uh, ever said, no, it's not for me. It's not good enough. No, they loved it. They jumped into it. And many of them sold their larger format cameras because they were afraid to try it. They were afraid they were going to miss that full frame. They were afraid maybe that uh, other photographers think they weren't good or they were too amateurish, whatever. And that's not the case. Technology is the great equalizer. Technology has equalized sensors to the point where there's almost no difference under almost all circumstances. And I don't think a lot of photographers, unless they get into the technological aspects of sensor construction and actually do a lot of testing on their own, realize that. And I think that's an important thing for people to know, especially as we age. We know a lot of people, you know, I'm like, say, I'm, I'm in my 70s and I don't want to carry that anymore. And I, I miss nothing. I'm not losing anything by having Microphore third. Some of the, I guess I would say the best pictures I've ever made in, in the digital era have been with Micro Four Third. They have not been with full frame Nikons or Fujifilm cameras. Now we've seen some really interesting software technology show up in, in recent years using artificial intelligence to help with noise reduction and, and other kinds of processing. Has that further cemented your opinions? Oh, yeah, they, you know, the, the three big uh, criticisms of Micro Four Thirds and even APS-C cameras are uh, too much noise, uh, not enough, uh, too much depth of field, and uh, too little dynamic range. And I think uh, software has gone a long way to negate those as negatives. And um, there, it, the problems aren't completely solved, but I'd say to the point now where, where that type of technology has equalized the noise issue for sure with DxO, with uh, Lightroom's new enhancement, as well as with Topaz with their photo AI and their Topaz denoise, that noise really is no longer an issue for any format any longer. Uh, as far as depth of field, this new lens blur uh, well, two things. First, most people that I know that photograph want more depth of field, not shallower depth of field. So with smaller format camera, you're inherently getting more depth of field due to the physics of light and uh, optics. So uh, that extra depth of field is actually a plus in my book. And if I need shallower depth of field, I think this budding lens blur feature in Lightroom is really going to be more sophisticated and, and developed in the future to the point where we may be able to replicate pretty fairly accurately uh, what can or what uh, Apple's done with their phone, even better than that, and uh, those type of things. So I think that that kind of goes away in, in some instances as well. And then also what people don't realize that that uh, a large amount of, of dynamic range you have on your 
full frame camera is only at base ISO. Once you start raising your ISO, there's almost an inverse relation, inverse proportional relationship with that ISO drop or the, uh, the dynamic range drop thing with the raising of ISO. So once you get uh, to ISO 1600, 3200, you have about half of what you have. So unless you're shooting always at base ISO, you're probably not at an advantage with a larger format sensor camera. Here's something I think about too. Um, I mean, obviously I, I agree with everything you just said. Um, I see, so one of the things that I saw um, personally was going on trips and, or going out with my dad and he bought an OM camera in 20, I think 2018 or 19 for a, for a trip because he just did not want to lug the D500 that he had around with big, big lenses. So it was like, you know, get this thing. So he does. And then what did I saw? What did I see? I never saw him picking up his Nikon anymore. And I'm like, wait, wait a minute. What, what's going on here? Right. And, and it makes me wonder, you know, and, and if you've seen it, um, where somebody who really wants to use good, you know, and do photography and then just gives up on using their camera altogether and just uses their phone instead which is of course an okay thing to do but it's not the same experience and it's certainly not the same same type of image quality that you would get um from from a dslr or, or modern mirrorless and i'm wondering you know if i think sometimes those people might be not they might not be considering a smaller format as being a viable path to continuing their hobby and enthusiasm for you know, making photog, you know, making photographs rather than just snapping iPhone shots. Um, and, and, and instead they've got a full frame or a whatever camera, they just have a camera in their closet collecting dust and they just use their phone because they're afraid to even consider some of these other options. Have you seen people like maybe not even taking their cameras out? Is that ever, ever, I mean, it's I not crossing your I, mind. Yeah. I have a, I have a friend here locally that, uh, has photographed with a full frame Canon system for years, and he doesn't he doesn't pick it up. He doesn't use it. He doesn't take photographs any longer because he got tired of carrying the Canon with the big lenses. He's never really considered buying a or even trying a, a smaller camera with uh, smaller lenses. It's lightweight, equally as capable, and uh, I think he misses out. I, I think he's missing a pleasure in his life because of the again cultural pressure to. Go big or go home. And uh, I, I've, I've tried to talk him to try it out, but he hasn't made the made the leap to, to even rent one to uh, try it out. I guess what I need to do is just let him take my camera home for, well, with Olympus, you know, take him home for a couple of weeks to get used to it. But, uh, uh, you know, one thing we haven't talked about is the glass. And I, I don't think people realize how good Olympus and OM lenses are when you compare them to Canon, Nikon, and Sony. They're every bit as good, and some are a lot better. And people don't think that, well, small camera, the lenses are inferior also. And I, don't, I don't think they realize just how good those lenses are. Even yeah. whether they're the F2.8 lenses, F, I mean, Olympus makes F1.2 lenses. I don't think people realize that. So you can get a fast lens if you need a fast prime. You can get an extraordinary long uh, <clears throat> telephoto lens if you're in the wildlife. Uh, just the, the glass is there for any need you would have. And that's a consideration as well. 
I don't want to buy a camera, but then not have the lenses to fulfill the needs I have for the type of photography I practice. But the lenses are all there. And I've, I've, uh, I've had many, many different Olympus lenses. And every single one of them has been superb. There's not a lot of holes you know, like, in their lens lineup either. They 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 have a pretty yeah. thorough lineup at this point in time, you know. But just I'll that just, idea that that um and yeah and and um I just I just want to just you know remind our listeners if you found yourself not enjoying things or just going off with your phone, um and your camera is just not bringing you joy, maybe it's just because how big it is. Maybe it's time to think about downsizing to a different, maybe not micro four thirds if you don't want to, but I mean, just some other choices that will give you that, that experience and that satisfaction of using an interchangeable lens camera that's well thought out and, and not having to sacrifice something to just say, well, I guess I'm just too old to carry anything but my phone anymore. Yeah. And Rick, you were going to say, sorry. I, I was just going to say, you. you know, like our, regular listeners know I have too much stuff and I like playing with all the different formats. There are pro, pros and cons with each of them, but all of them produce good photographs. If you do the right things as a photographer, they all do. And so it gets into a matter of, you know, what particular um, things are more important to you that can change as you get older, you know, that value equation changes. And I, I think it just, uh, to me, a really important idea that sometimes by not going after, quote, the, the very best in terms of image quality, whatever, you actually can get better results because you're getting out there and shooting. Um, you're maybe less tired. You're not um, worried about your back hurting, you know, so getting out there and, and actually making photographs is the key, you know, not staring at something sitting on your shelf that you use twice a year because you prefer using your cell phone all the right. other or, or I'll tell you another example, Rick, cause I've seen it with mm -hmm. my clients and, and I love my clients, but it pains me to see clients not able to bring with either not bringing with them what they really wanted to, to use you know, or having to leave stuff behind or worse, just having to give up on a shoot because it's just too much to carry. And it's too, you know, walking around and they don't want, and, and it's like, they know that this, this camera that they have with their great lens is, is fantastic, but it also weighs three and a half, four pounds. And that means I'm going to leave other lenses and other options behind, or maybe I'm going to be really tired. I'm going to have to go back to the hotel earlier because I, I can't keep up on the shoot. It's just too much for me. You know, and maybe not the camera by itself, but just, you know, we should all be lucky to have, you know, healthy, strong backs and things like that. But, but you know, the reality is, is that a lot of people, you know, can't and they want to have this stuff. And I think they just, it could be discouraging. And, and instead of being discouraged, say, I guess I have to give up photography or just use a phone. You know, there are avenues to get, just as good shots pretty much and 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 not have to you know bend over backwards under the weight of your own backpack you know i i've um since i retired i've taken four or five coast to coast road trips and on all but one of them i took only my olympus at a 12 to 100 and in a little sling bag 
and I missed nothing. The 12 mm-hmm. to 100 Olympus lens, it is extraordinarily sharp, corner to corner, all focal lengths. And for something that small and innocuous, to put in a little sling bag that I, I just put over my shoulder, I never have the inkling to leave it in the car when I get out to visit a site. I always take it with me because it's no trouble. It's not heavy. It has more features on that camera and lens than uh, some of the biggest, most expensive full frame cameras because the Olympus just packs it. I think pound for pound, as said in the boxing world, it's the most feature packed and cost effective camera you can buy out there. And I don't want to make this all about a micro four thirds and Olympus, but but as you get older, and instead of, as Rick said, instead of giving up photography, look at some viable alternatives and a smaller camera with smaller lenses that will give you, it will equal if not better pictures you have from your older, larger camera is a viable alternative to keep that enjoyment in your life. And don't give it up just because you're tired of carrying that big old heavy camera and heavy set of lenses. That sounds like a really great message. My I opinion. want to ask you about your new Z8, though, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did. The, ex- I did. the existential crisis still exists, you know. But well, it- well, I I, uh, I find myself doing a lot of photography from the car. So, but a bit of bit well, the telltales. If I'm if I'm locally, I like to say I've got uh, I've got a, a Fujifilm kit, and I've got some Nikon. I still have Nikon cameras going back to the seventies and old uh, old manual focus lenses, AIS lenses, and such. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, as I said, a, a guitarist doesn't only have one guitar, and a car collector doesn't only have one car. And I'll take the Nikon out if I have a specific reason to use it. But generally, my everyday carry kit is a little Merrill sling bag that's tiny that has the OM1 and the 12 to 100, a spare battery, an extra card, and a lens cloth. And that's it. And it weighs only a couple of pounds. and out it goes with me every time I leave the door. I can't say that about my Fuji or my or my Nikon kit. I would t- leave them at home because it was too big and bulky, and I just didn't want to be hassled. You alluded to your blog earlier, and, and just yeah. as a way to kind of tie up things, um, do you want to mention uh, your website? And we'll put it in links for the podcast, too, because it's a really nice – you've been doing it for a long time. And it has a really nice mix of articles on shoots that you you done, and you'll you'll see discussions about some of those cross country trips that you've mentioned, as well as photographic technology, new equipment, just a nice variety of things. Thank you, appreciate that. But if it's you called the, it's called the Wandering Lensman, and uh, and I specifically chose that name because one of my favorite things to do is grab my camera and just go out and wander around. Mm-hmm. Be open to anything I may see that I find interesting that piques my interest and evokes an emotion that I end up photographing. But I try to, I've been photographing now for what, 53 years this spring. And uh, I've made a lot of mistakes. I've had a lot of success. I've had a lot of experience. And I try to use my blog as, as my um, outlet on how I can share everything I've learned, everything I know, all the testing I do on my gear, and I do it from a practical sense, not from a strictly scientific sense. And if I can help others enjoy photography as much as I have enjoyed it and continue to enjoy it to this day, I will I'll put everything out there. I have no affiliate links. I don't get paid for anything. 
I pay for all my gear. It's strictly my way of paying back others or paying forward to others for all the joy I've gotten out of photography the past 53 years. So I try to, as you say, mix it up with technical stuff, with travel stuff, with testing, with just pictures and different experiences and those type of things. I get a lot of email questions. I get a lot of comments with questions and uh, things like that. And I'm glad to help anybody that asks for help photographing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's very nicely done. I, I can you. second that. I've enjoyed reading your articles. So it's, it's uh, well, that I, we could talk about this all day, but I think we're out of time. So uh, I want to thank Dennis again for joining us today. We really appreciated having you on the show. It's been great. And uh, until next time, happy shooting. All right. Bye-bye.